Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're seated in front of a stage, waiting for the curtain to rise. The hall is filled with applause and music. And for the next two or three hours, you're transported to another world without ever leaving your seat at the theater. Live theater has made a long-awaited return after two years of being locked down. But the irony of this excitement is that before the pandemic hit, we very nearly lost one of the country's most prolific symbols for theater and the arts as a whole. This is the story of the Metropolitan Theater, or simply, the Met. It was a destination within Manila back in its glory days in the 1930s, when the city was known as the Paris of the East. It hosted operas, plays, and concerts, the first Mickey Mouse cartoons to be shown in the country, and some of the greatest talents in Philippine theater, such as Jovita Fuentes and Atang de la Rama. The Met and its distinctive Art Deco style emerged from World War II largely intact, but the decades that followed saw it become a warehouse, a motel, an informal settlement, anything but a venue for the arts. Many restoration campaigns were launched starting in the 1970s, but the building continued to fall into disrepair and irrelevance. It stood forgotten and ignored, bypassed by flyovers, jeepneys, and crawling traffic, crudely boarded up on top of being invisible in plain sight. Things began to change in 2010. It was declared a national cultural treasure by the government. The National Commission for Culture and the Arts took ownership of the Met in 2015. And in 2021, alongside a theater industry that was all too eager to return to the stage after the pandemic, the Met finally reopened. Many cultural landmarks in Manila, from the cinemas of Escolta to the High Alay building on Taft Avenue, have long given way to time and new buildings. But the restoration of the Met is a bright spot that says, not all has been lost. There is spirit and reason to recapture structures and centers that explore and express who we are. I'm Carl Sayat, and you're listening to Estate of Mind, a podcast from Ayala Land Estate, powered by Puma Podcast. On Estate of Mind, we imagine and redefine our urban spaces, what they should feel like, what they can be, and what we can do to make them a reality. Throughout the pandemic, we all waited eagerly for the return of live events. I, for one, was elated when I got the chance to watch this year's restaging of Mula Sabuan at the Samsung Performing Arts Theater. 
the only regret I had was that probably should have bought better seats. The moment it became possible to hold concerts again, local and foreign artists began selling out shows left and right. And isn't it nice to finally sit in a cinema again after two years of huddling in front of our small laptop screens to catch the latest film streaming online? Theater, music, and film are more than just ways to pass the time. These art forms are just a few ways we explore identity and express culture. But any talk about cultural centers raises the obvious question. What is culture anyway? Culture can be tangible and intangible. The more tangible cultural spaces are buildings, artworks, but the more intangible ones, these are the ones that have to do with our practices, our beliefs, our rituals. Mia Kimpo is the head of planning and urban design at Ayala Land. You might remember her from our previous episodes. She has also worked with the National Commission for Culture and the Arts. Expressing and sharing our practices, beliefs, and rituals plays an important role in building society. Through song, through dance, through poetry, through sculpture, through architecture, these artistic outputs seek to celebrate or at least express certain values and beliefs that define a certain people or a certain community or a certain society. That's Mark Morales, an associate professor at the School of Urban and Regional Planning in UP Diliman. He has written extensively about cultural development or taking part in activities where we come together and cultivate our culture. Aside from the arts, culture could also be expressed through other platforms, such as sports, such as uh, religion, among others. Cultural development begins with people coming together. And in coming together, having common dreams and aspirations for society and for each other. Think of the audience at a concert or play. Or cheering fans at a basketball game. Or families praying together at a service. They're there because they enjoy the same type of music or story. They root for one of two teams. They're followers of the same religion. These are expressions of common values. If you're able to harness these values and beliefs that bind people together and move them into action together, then that's a very powerful thing. And one of the most effective ways of developing that is to identify spaces that would allow people to meet, socialize, interact, share their beliefs and ideas, celebrate what they are what they're all about and become more understood and more accepted in the communities and the society which they want to be a part of. And there comes the importance of space and place. Theaters, sports parks and courts, places of worship, like the Met, these are all examples of dedicated cultural spaces for expression, performances, tournaments, but also ceremonies rituals, and other activities that foster community. On an ideal scenario, and if there is an abundance of resources, it would be great if there would be convention halls or convention centers, every municipality or a sports facility like a YMCA, local government-led or national government-led facilities that would allow especially the youth 
to have uh, opportunities to hone their craft and to celebrate their craft, showcase them, and let people see what they're doing and what they're good at. These facilities don't have to be as grand as a Metropolitan Theater. They just have to be available, accessible, and well-maintained. They don't even always have to be buildings. In the Philippines, an opportunity is arising. The public spaces, the streets, the parks are being used as a worthy substitute. And um, what we're seeing now is an opportunity for collaboration between government, private sector, and civil society in using uh, cultural development as a platform for growth and for mutual benefit. Government has, under its jurisdiction, the maintenance and the development and maintenance of public spaces, parks, open spaces. What we're seeing here is an opportunity of engaging civil society groups, particularly, you can call them cultural development organizations, a grassroots type developing skills of would-be musicians, or maybe dancers, a dance troupe. I've seen a number of groups on the ground needing a space for them to practice and to showcase their craft, to open up opportunities for their students or for their members. Local government may seek to engage with these civil society groups. Okay, you could use this particular part of this park, but we would just request that you would be tasked to maintain, to take care, clean, and to make sure everything's orderly in your part of the leased space. So there's a win-win scenario here. These open spaces and parks call them civic or cultural spaces, are publicly accessible areas where people are free to express their opinions and their beliefs. Here's Mia again. A civic space is really a democratic space. It's a space for everyone from all walks of ages, from all genders, from all income classes, where they can access this and enjoy life. These civic spaces are places for leisure, for recreation, as well as uh, public gatherings. Culture can be expressed in all of these public and civic spaces, which now we've seen that how the performing arts, it's done in these open spaces, all of these things. It doesn't have to be in a formal building. The Ayala brand, one of our differentiators really is that civic space. For instance, in Vertis North, you can see that we always have that civic space that runs through the estate. We always ensure that we have these gathering spaces in our estates. And they're not just gathering spaces. They're also very flexible spaces. They can be performing spaces. They can be spaces for pop-up retail. This creates a different experience. Because an environment without the lights and sounds or the stage of a traditional performance venue means that artists must use other built or natural features around them to put on a show. What it comes down to is that there are different and evolving ways to tell different stories inside and outside the theater. A lot of the cultural expressions now are through immersive spaces, experiencing places, and experiencing something culturally through an immersive experience. Now you have these huge projected images and videos. So that's one the innovations we've seen. At the other end of the extreme is really the natural environment expressing our culture within the natural environment, trying to reconnect with nature and enhancing nature. 
Ayala land recognizes the importance of both built spaces and natural open spaces. On one hand, the parks in the Makati CBD host all sorts of art events and performances. One that comes to mind is the live script reading of the film That Thing Called Tadhana with John Lloyd Cruz and Bea Alonso. It was held in February 2020 at the Ayala Triangle Gardens, a perfect night in the open air to celebrate Valentine's Day. And then there's one of Ayala's newest attractions, the Samsung Performing Arts Theater in Circuit Makati. Since opening just this year, it has already welcomed audiences to various attractions, from the latest run of the musical Mula Sabuan to a show by stand-up comedian Red Oliero. For that matter, expression takes on many forms. It's not just art and performance. Sport and recreation, too, benefit from having the right spaces. Hi, I am Jared Rustia. I am an architect by profession. I'm also a furniture designer and a photographer. On the side, I do coaching for rock climbing. I do rock climbing and surfing, and I also bike. You have uh, like a generic open space. People can do anything. These spaces are like a jack of all trades. They're not a master of one thing. Although they can provide a lot of opportunities for people. Dedicated facilities, on the other hand, focus on the activities and the people who practice those activities. Given that space, people spend more time honing those skills in those activities. And I feel like it provides a lot of opportunities for people, not just those who practice, but also people who witness those activities, to appreciate those activities more. For example, in rock climbing, we can't just climb anything or else we, we get caught by the police. But then, if we have our sport climbing facilities, our bouldering facilities, it provides venues wherein we can excel in our sport. If that's the opposite and there's a lack of these facilities, then there's going to be a chokehold on that progress, not just for the individuals, but for the entire sport or activity in itself. Because you're not just denying a space, but you're also denying people of their opportunities to tap into their potential. And I feel like it's the same in other activities in entertainment or other sports and the arts. If you provide a facility that's focused on your activity, it's a space for you to excel in it. Civic spaces, then, can be transformed into cultural spaces, bridging the gap between enthusiasts and the general public. In terms of rock climbing, we used to have national competitions in BGC and the high street. There's an amphitheater there with an open space. And since BGC is very supportive and a lot of our other sponsors are very supportive, we organized national competition. We would build walls, temporary walls for climbing in BGC. The first artificial climbing facilities in the country were built in 1993. Makeshift walls made by mountaineers in Manila and Cebu City, later followed by proper facilities in schools, malls, and commercial climbing gyms. The climbing community grew well into the early 2000s, and the Sport Climbing Association of the Philippines began to hold national competitions that would bring hundreds of Pinoy climbers together. And a lot of people were able to watch us. And that in itself promoted the sport because it's a two-day event wherein people can watch rock climbers from all over the country at the top of their game do the sport. And people would say, oh, that's amazing. We never thought we would be able to do that. 
from the curious to the enthusiasts and to the competitors, climbing facilities in their own way started bringing Filipinos together. And that wasn't even the original intent. Imagine if it were. What if spaces that can bring people together were actually conceived and designed to bring people together? Think basketball courts. Virtually every barangay in the country has its own basketball court and every school its own basketball team. But each court also doubles as a gathering hall for barangays and as performance venues during fiestas. Not that they were designed for that. Now, imagine what it would be like to have more facilities for more sports and different art forms that the courts already accommodate. To make more room for jogging or street football or Zumba classes. And beyond that, fully equipped spaces where future national athletes can safely train and share their talents. Think skate parks or Olympic-sized pools. Mark says society will ultimately be investing not just in facilities and centers, but its own people. We need to move beyond what's our preconceived notion of culture and the art, you know, as elitist. It's not something that is available for everyone, and it's not confined to a particular socioeconomic group. This is how Mark imagines local policies can make cultural development work within a city, province, or region. Nurture their skills. Make them be a positive member of society, of the community. And later on, create development programs that has economic industries attached to these programs that would bring in tourism, that would bring in business opportunities, you know, hotel bookings, food caterers for these events. With the appropriate spaces and facilities, and with programs that integrate cultural development activities into an economic blueprint, a community can thrive. And there is an opportunity for building our identity as Filipinos when we invest in more of these cultural spaces and see the value that they have. There should be an underlying meaning that would make people want to think, what is this thing or this art form trying to tell me, or a piece of architecture? What is this structure trying to tell me? What does it embody? It should embody something that exemplifies what a Filipino is. So there is a need to protect that, and there's a need to celebrate and to propagate that so that the next generation of Filipinos would have a sense of self, and would have a sense of identity, who they are, what is their purpose, what makes them unique. Culture, therefore, thrives when we give it a home. Or many homes. You just have to look deeper rather than the cosmetic side of it. You go deeper and see the underlying meanings. And that's what makes art and sports actually great. Then you realize, okay, so this is what my ancestors were trying to tell me. This is who we are. This is what we should stand for. This is what we should celebrate and be passionate about. This is what makes us us. That was another episode of Estate of Mind. Estate of Mind is a podcast from Ayala Land Estates powered by Puma Podcast. 
This episode was written by Nina Toralba with editorial support from Robbie Alampay. It was put together by audio editor Joe Salcedo. We hope you enjoyed the first five episodes of this season. We'll be back with more episodes about good urban design and how it can make our lives better. In the meantime, feel free to go back and listen to everything we've talked about so far. Sustainability, inclusivity, live-work proximity, tropical architecture, and of course, cultural spaces. Join us again soon as we imagine and redefine our urban spaces. What they should feel like, what they can be, and what we can do to make them a reality. Subscribe to Estate of Mind on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen.